MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is hour number three of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And if you're out there in the continental 48 states, that means that it is a college basketball Saturday as we are down to eight teams vying for an NCAA tournament title. But you're going to find out later on in the hour that there are other teams competing for other titles that it's not even the NIT. So we're going to uncover a few gems over there. I'm going to take a look at everything that we've got with regards to the Elite Eight. Here in the first segment, we're actually going to take a look at the Sunday games because we wind up seeing a few of the games from Friday wind up going final. Now we've got openers on those, so we're going to be hitting upon those. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys what I like for Saturday, and along the way, we're going to be hitting upon some MLB futures as well as I want to take a look at everything that we've got for National League odds to be able to win the MVP. Haven't taken as much of a look at the American League. And then on top of that, we've also got odds to be able to be the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament as well. So we've got a lot to be able to hit upon in this final hour. But how about if we wind up first things first, going with what we're all seeing with regards to these lines in the Elite Eight. I did wind up hitting a little bit earlier upon the game between St. Peter's and North Carolina. I haven't necessarily hit upon this game yet. You've got the ACC, by the way, with three teams in the Elite Eight, because that makes total sense right there. After we were calling for perhaps a one-bit ACC, now all of a sudden you've got three teams that are in the Elite Eight. That sounds about right, but we've got 645, 646. This is Kansas versus Miami. Openers have, in a lot of places, Miami being a six-and-a-half-point underdog. You're going to be able to find a couple straight sixes where I'm at at Circa. You're finding one of those straight sixes, and... Totals anywhere between 147.5 and 148. And I do think that this total is a little bit too lofty because you just take a look at what we've gotten in this NCAA tournament in general. It's been an underpalooza. Seven out of the eight games that we wound up seeing in the Sweet 16, they all wound up going under the total. And this is a Kansas team that, to their credit, they've been playing much better on defense. They have allowed 70 points or fewer in all but one out of their last eight games. So it's been a team that has been able to peak at the right time. Now, I do think that Kansas is going to be able to go to the Final Four. When I wound up doing my bracket, I did wind up having Kansas winning the whole thing, and I still feel good about it. If I had to fire in on a future right now, I would be going with Kansas. Now, I laid out in the first hour that maybe you don't want to be taking the Kansas future instead, just rolling it over on the money line the last three times or just doing what I wind up doing, betting game by game, because I don't have any futures tickets in my portfolio. As of right now, I am not going to. 
So that is the way that I wind up playing this. But with this line, I think we've gotten up a little bit too lofty. You've got a Miami team that they do an absolutely superb job of being able to take care of the ball. They're a team that they only turn the ball over right around nine and a half times for contest. They're in the top 10 in all of college basketball when it comes to the fewest turnovers on a per possession basis. They did wind up having a couple more than they would have liked against Iowa State, but it's an Iowa State team that they do a good job of being able to generate turnovers, and then they do a poor job of being able to take care of the ball themselves. So that is a little bit of an issue there, but you do take a look at Miami and you got a team that they do a solid job of being able to shoot from three-point range. It's not like they're a team that's going to be going scorched earth or anything like that, but Charlie Moore, I do feel like, is really the catalyst for this team. A guy that's able to give you 12-ish points, four and a half assists, and generates two and a half seals per game, and that's what Miami does very well. They, I just mentioned it a little bit earlier, are a team that they really don't turn over the ball a lot, but you take a look at the way that they're able to pickpocket, and it is very superb. With regards to steals on a per-game basis, they generate right around eight and a half per contest. They are in the top 15 in all of college basketball. As they are just doing an absolutely amazing job with that regard. It's a big reason why they were able to win that game against Duke earlier in the season when they went to Cameron Indoor. You literally had Charlie Moore give the team more steals than the team had turnovers. So they're able to do a great job with that regard. Ninth in the country with regards to steals force on a per-possession basis. Meanwhile, you do have a Kansas team that they can sometimes struggle to take care of the ball a little bit, but you do have a guy in Oshay Obashi. So he will give you 19 and a half points, right around five rebounds per game. But the real X factor for this Kansas team, how about what we've been able to see out of Remy Martin? And Remy Martin was, while he was at Arizona State during the 2020-21 season, a guy that had 19 points, three and a half assists, a little bit over a seal per contest. Many people were hyping him up as perhaps an All-American candidate coming into this season. He was in the doghouse of Bill Self a little bit. He was banged up towards the middle slash the back half of Big 12 play when he wound up coming back in the Big 12 tournament and really for a full allotment of minutes because he did wind up playing a few games, but he was only playing like 10 or so minutes. So when he wound up returning in full force, it really did wind up lighting a fire underneath his Kansas team on top of that. You do have a pair of guys down low that I'm going to be hitting upon in a second, but you just take a look at the progression of Remy Martin. It's one of the most incredible things that you're going to find because you wind up doing a solid job towards the beginning part of the season, but you just take a look at it. We're going to go from March 3rd on. So pretty much this is the last, I believe it is eight games that the team has played. You wind up going from that second game against CCU, zero points, two points against Texas, four points against West Virginia. That was the first game of the Big 12 tournament. And then 10 points against CCU, 12 points against Texas Tech, 15 points against Texas Southern, 20 points against Creighton. And then last night, he was the top scorer, scoring 23 points in that win against Providence. I mean, it has been insane the way that he has been able to pick it up. The biggest single X factor in the NCAA tournament, and I don't think that it's close. And then from there, you've got David McCormick, Couple with Jalen Wilson. These guys are able to combine to be able to give you right around 12 and a half rebounds per game. It's a big reason why the defense has been so much more supreme for this team. And then when it comes down to what you're able to get out of Christian Braun as well, one of the better Swiss Army knife guys you're going to find in all of college basketball 14 and a half points, five rebounds, a steal, a block per contest, shoots it well from three point range. It's a Kansas team that all of a sudden they're now well rounded. And Remy Martin just puts this team over the top in the backcourt. With that said, though, you do have a Miami team that they do present some matchup nightmares for this team because you've got a guy in Sam Wardenberger who stands right around six foot nine to six foot ten. He shoots over forty percent from three point range. That'll certainly fly. 
You've also got a lot of experience with Kansas, Oshay, Ubaji, Remy Martin. These guys have been school in school for quite a while. I mean, Cam McGusty, you go all the way back to the 2016 recruiting class, and he was in the top 50 when he wound up going to Oklahoma. This is an old guy right there. He was being recruited while I was in college. I mean, that's how old Cam McGusty is. So, I mean, if you're looking for experience, there you go right there. Charlie Moore was like number 75 in that 2016 recruiting class as well. So these are guys that have been around the block for a very, very long time. But, I mean, you take a look at it. McGusty and Moore combined to be able to give you right around 30 and a half points per contest. And then you've got Isaiah Wong, who he checks all the boxes. 15 and a half points, four and a half boards, two assists, a steal per game. Not necessarily a great three-point shooter. Only shoots right around 30 and a half percent from three, but does a good job with his mid-range game. And that's something that Kansas sometimes has a little bit of a tough time defending. And then when it comes to this Miami team, the big key for them is going to be rebounding. In terms of rebound right there, outside the top 200, that's where Kansas is really going to be able to hurt them. Jordan Miller, though, I think is going to be able to do a solid job on the glass. He's not going to win the battle on the glass. No fans or buts about it, but the transfer from, you guessed it, George Mason, where Jim Laranaka wanted to blast coaching in an Elite Eight. He's been able to come in and he's been able to do a good job. He's been able to give this team 10.5 points, right around six rebounds per contest. Guy that's able to shoot threes, doesn't necessarily shoot them well, shoots it right around 30% from three-point range. That's about a six foot six, six foot seven, a little bit of a combo player, but. Just take a look at what he's been able to do towards back half of the season on the glass, and he has really been able to provide this team a little bit more of a spark and a little bit more punch down low, I think is the best way of being able to put it. You take a look ever since the 5th of January, so pretty much since the turn of the new year, he's been able to give you 11.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, 2.2 steals per game. The three-point shooting percentage has been non-existent, but he does a good job of being able to do little things that keeps Miami very live in this game, and with Miami as well. The big thing for this team has been the defense has been much improved because with regards to teams that are remaining in the NCAA tournament, North Carolina is your worst defense in terms of fish or actually Miami is by far your worst team in terms of efficiency. North Carolina, they are number two and it's very distant between they and pretty much everyone else in the field, but it's been an improved Miami team on defense and that's what you're taking a look at because you recall that game against Auburn Auburn could not get anything to go against them whatsoever held them down to 61 points in that contest Iowa State was able to get nothing generated as a matter of fact they have allowed fewer than 70 points in now four out of their last five contests so I do think that Miami is going to be able to hold in this game the offense so relatively explosive was held down against Iowa State but Iowa State a team that you're just you just want to be able to survive in advance in those games because they do such a good job defensively and they don't give you anything offensively. So I do think that it's an intriguing game. I still think that Kansas is going to be able to get the job done and it's going to be able to win the entirety of the end. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. 
Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. PWA tournament, but I think that they're going to have a tough time in this one. Set my line at five, so I'm going to be taking a look at Kansas in this spot, especially if you've got the hook on six. I think that that makes it all the more better, and so my total out of 146. I think it's really hard to be taking a look at overs in some of these big NCAA tournament games because the stakes wind up getting bigger. And these are, keep in mind, 18 to 23-year-olds. These guys wind up feeling a lot of these nerves. And as a result, the thing that winds up really starting to fade in a lot of these spots is the jump shooting. You wind up seeing some exceptions like Caleb Love, what he was able to do for North Carolina on Friday. You just have to appreciate that because I mean, a guy hitting those big shots in that large of a spot, I mean, it's nothing short of absolutely sensational. Meanwhile, and a lot of other guys that they don't wind up hitting those shots. Jaden Ivey was able to hit a late three against St. Peter's, but I mean, it's saw with Purdue. They just weren't able to knock down those jumpers. And you, on top of that, do have a lot of these more football style stadiums. You do wind up having these weird backdrops when it comes to these bigger games. So I do think that that is something that you really do need to be keeping in mind when it comes to being able to gauge these totals. So this is another one that I'm going to be taking a look at the under on and with Kansas made them a five point favorite. And in that St. Peter's versus North Carolina game made St. Peter's a eight point underdog with that total 137. Going to be waiting on a little bit more line movement because right now the only place I'm seeing a differential in my line is here at Circa where North Carolina more of an eight and a half point favorite. So going to be taking a look at St. Peter's there. Hopefully we're going to be able to get a little bit of line move out there. And when it comes to college basketball as well, a little bit later on the show, going to be giving you guys a game of which you might not know actually exists, but coming up next, we've got to take a look at odds to be able to win the American league MVP in baseball right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. The college basketball season is in full swing and well, you can't get much more full swing than the Elite Eight. Grab a five-hour energy to stay alert and watch all your favorite games or if you wind up staying up late to see UCLA wind up falling to North Carolina in an intense game, take a five-hour energy shot in the morning so that way you're able to energize your day. With zero sugar and an unbeatable blend of vitamins, nutrients, and caffeine, it's perfect pick-me-up to get stuff done. Go to 5hourenergy.com and you're able to find over 15 flavors to choose from. They've got flavors like grape, tropical burst, 
cherry, blue raspberry. My personal favorite is watermelon, so there is a flavor for everyone. Get a five-hour energy shot today as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and college basketball season. It certainly is in full swing. In the final segment, going to be hitting upon everything that I like in the Elite Eight today. And in the next segment, we're going to be hitting upon some under gems of college basketball as well as there's a game out there in the basketball classic that's going to be going down out west so it's not just the ncaa tournament that's being played you were able to make some nice money in the cbi if you want to take in some of those games unc wilmington and middle tennessee were cash cows all season long and they want to make in the final of that tournament so i mean it's not just the ncaa tournament and Matter of fact, I always wind up having people on social media asking me how to bet some of these bigger games. And I mean, if you're wanting to get down to it, you're going to find softer numbers out there in the NIT, in the CBI, the basketball classic list goes on and on because they're not getting the attention that the St. Peter's Peacocks are right now getting. They're not getting the attention of North Carolina. So I mean, honestly, if you're looking for a good NCAA tournament strategy, scale down your units in the NCAA tournament and look a little bit more to these lesser tournaments because you're able to find a little bit of better edges there. And that's really the case in any sport. The Super Bowl, you're able to find with the normal side in total because you've got so many props that are out there. That's going to be much more sharp than like a Thursday night football game between like the Jaguars and the Titans, for instance, when it comes to Major League Baseball. On a random day in July, you're going to be able to find softer numbers than you're going to be finding in the World Series. It's that way in any sport. Just because the game is bigger doesn't mean that your bet size needs to be bigger. As a matter of fact, I would actually encourage the exact opposite of that because numbers are a little bit sharper when it comes to the bigger games and there's a lot more eyes on them. So just a little bit of food for thought there. And how about if we wind up going with a little bit of food for thought when it comes to the upcoming baseball season? I absolutely love the fact that it is a coming about. And when it comes to odds to be able to win the American League MVP, it is so interesting because a team that some might not even have in the postseason, I can tell you right now, I don't know if I've got the world's most faith in the Angels being able to make a run to the postseason, but maybe we got the two short shots for odds to be able to win American League MVP. Shoy Otani at plus 380, 4-1 on Mike Trout. From there is Vlad Guerrero Jr. plus 450. Aaron Judge is 16 to 1. Wanda Franco is 18 to 1. Rafael Devers, Jose Jimenez, along with Bo Bichette, are finding themselves at 20 to 1. And then you've got Jordan Alvarez, Luis Robert at 22 to 1. And I think that it is so intriguing because I show Otani, he should be the short shot. Honestly, plus 380, I don't think it's necessarily the world's worst value because when it comes to wins above replacement, if you wind up adding up is. Numbers with regards to him being a pitcher and him being a hitter. As long as he stays healthy, he just winds up bringing something that absolutely nobody else in the game winds up bringing. Your one concern is that perhaps voter fatigue winds up coming in. And Joey Otani did wind up having a big drop off towards the back half last season as well. After the All-Star break, he was hitting right around 230. His pitching was still there. His hitting certainly was not. It wound up becoming a case in which I do feel like pitchers were able to hone in on him a little bit more as well. So I do think that he was a little bit of a product of the fact that the LA Angels didn't wind up having Mike Trout out there. And then, I mean, if you take a look at some of these guys behind him, they were absolutely terrible. I mean, Luis Renifo, I mean, that was not good. You wound up seeing just an absolute cratering from some of these guys as well. David Fletcher wound up having one of the worst, like, OBSs that you're ever going to find in the second half of a season. That guy just completely went downhill. That was not good, to say the least. When you're relying upon 
Guys like a Brandon Marsh should be able to give you good at-bats. I think that he's going to have a little bit of an uptick this year, but that's not necessarily great. They're hoping that Joe Adele is able to set fire to the rain this year as well. But I mean, you take a look at this Los Angeles Angels team. You need them to be at the very least competitive to be able to help these guys out with regards to the MVP. Joey Otani, he brings something very unique, but you can't wind up having the LA Angels winding up falling completely out of the race like you wound up seeing last season. Now, I will say, you do have some up-and-coming pitchers for this team. Patrick Sandoval, before he wound up getting hurt last year, actually showed some flashes of brilliance, and that could wind up taking the load off of Joey Otani because you'll notice that the Angels are going to skip his starts a little bit more. Joey Otani does wind up getting a little bit more favorable starts, and that's by design, but take a look at Patrick Sandoval, a guy that wound up having a 362 ERA, a guy that his strikeouts per nine rate was hovering right around 10. He did wind up giving out a couple too many walks, but I mean, I actually liked what I saw from him towards back half of the season. That's good. They bring in Noah Syndergaard, which if you're able to figure out what we're able to get out of Noah Syndergaard this year, let me know because I can't. This is a guy that he wound up pitching last season in two games for two innings and gave up two runs. We don't have much of a sample size on Noah Syndergaard the last few years. I mean, if it's a Noah Syndergaard of old, great. If it's not, this could be disastrous. And I mean, wouldn't it be so poetic? The LA Angels wind up making a bad free agent signing. Where have we seen this before? Oh, wait, like every free agent signing that the Angels have made ever since like Albert Poole. So yeah, it's just a case in which you can't really have a lot of faith there. Jose Suarez is able to give you a little bit of something. He was a guy that last season actually developed had a couple halfway decent starts and the angels, they invested every one of their draft picks last year into pitchers. So it's clear where they are in position, but the guys outside of Shoei Otani and Mike Trout, what are you going to be able to get out of them? And with Mike Trout, is he going to be fully a hundred percent as well? That's something that you've got a little bit of difficulty with. Now, when it comes to the blue Jays, a lot of people are all in on this team. And I think that they are certainly going to be in, for a good year. Vlad Guerrero Jr., in the opinion of some people, actually should have been able to win the award last season. He's a guy that he plays solidly at first base. It's not like his defense is, I think that a lot of people call him a gold glover. I would not necessarily go there. It's solid. It's not great, but I mean, you just take a look at those numbers last year. 311 batting average, 48 home runs, 111 RBI. You want to be seeing him when he doesn't wind up playing in Florida for the first couple months of the season because I mean, that was a very unique situation. You want to be able to see him for a full year in Toronto. A Toronto ballpark in which I wouldn't necessarily consider hitter-friendly. I think calling it pitcher-friendly would be a little bit extreme. It's somewhere in the middle, but now you've got a little bit more protection for him as well. You've seen a lot of these guys be able to develop as well. I think that if you're able to have Teoscar Hernandez out there for a full year, a guy that wanted being a little bit banged up, that's going to be able to help him out as well. Lourdes Gurriel is someone that I really like for this team as well. Lourdes Gurriel, one of the more underrated guys when fully healthy. You just take a look up and down at all these guys for the Blue Jays are mashers, so they can't really get a lot of intentional walks when it comes to when it comes to Vlad Guerrero Jr., so that's really going to be able to put him in good shape. Plus 450, it's not a number that I would necessarily want to take, but I don't think that it's necessarily bad value either. I think that it's priced relatively appropriately. I think that it's going to be really fascinating to see if we wind up having anyone for the Yankees show up because Anthony Rizzo is a guy that he's going to be able to help out this team. And you could tell that after that Anthony Rizzo deal, that it was a completely different team. And 
I mean, he really sparked a lot of something in these guys. It's not like I would be taking Anthony Rizzo to be able to win the MVP, but just his presence alone helps out these guys that they are a little bit higher up on the odds board. And like I thought I would actually be looking at over Aaron Judge, if John Carlos Sand could put it together as a little bit of a long shot, there's value. I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to win the MVP. I'm not saying put all your shekels down on John Carlos Sand, but even in a season which it wasn't necessarily ideal for him, he still wound up having 35 home runs and hit nearly a 275 last season. I mean, if this guy is able to go scorched earth like he wound up doing a few years ago with the Miami Marlins, you bet your buns he's going to have some value when it comes to the back half of the season, whether it be to win the whole shebang or to be able to just hedge out and be able to fire in on someone that winds up getting hot a little bit later. With regards to American League MVP, we have noticed that it has been in recent years a couple more short shots because you wound up seeing it with Shoy Otani last year. He was 20 to 1, but you take a look at it, it's been a lot of Mike Trout in recent years, so he have not necessarily been able to have as much value. But I mean, with John Carlos saying he's not showing up on this board, these are via DraftKings. And I think that he might be worth a little bit of a look just because of the way that we know people love the New York Yankees if the Yankees are able to put together a nice season. And I expect a little bit of a drop-off with the Tampa Bay Rays. If you take a look at the advanced analytics, the Tampa Bay Rays, they got a little bit lucky last year at the plate, and they're pitching this year. It's not necessarily as terrific. That could actually be something in which you're able to find a little bit of something on. So I do think that with regards to him, and I'm seeing him right now at DraftKings, I identified the number 50-1. to 1. Yeah, that's all value. And then George Springer as well, if you're looking for another long shot, 40-1. to 1. If he's able to stay fully healthy, look out with that regard. You also want to be looking out for another odds to be able to win an award, the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament. We're going to be hitting upon that, and we're also going to be taking a look at a game that we've got for the College Basketball Classic on Saturday right here on VEASAN on the other side, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You've got the official breakfast of the March Madness. That would be Wednesday. That would be Wendy's. Every single day, you're able to choose from Wendy's stack lineup like the breakfast baconator, croissant combo, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great team, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends oven baked sizzling bacon. You've got fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and a Simply OJ to be able to bring it home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru and pick it up in your Wendy's pick it up your Wendy's breakfast, the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely, choose Wendy's as it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on Visa and the Sports Bank Network. And what we're taking a look at with regards to college basketball right now is these Elite Eight games. But on top of that, we've got another title that is going to be decided in the coming days as well of the Basketball Classic. We're going to be hitting that in a few minutes as well. So have no fear. We've got you covered with a whole bunch of hoops in the final segment. Going to give you guys what I like in the Elite Eight today. But how about if we wind up taking a look at odds to be the most outstanding player in the NCAA tournament as well? Because we've got a lot of things that we're able to take a look at with regards to the NCAA tournament, and these are by a bet MGM for odds to be able to be the most outstanding player. Right now, the short shot is O'Shea Obaji. He finds himself at plus 700. Jaden Ivey, 8-1. I don't encourage you to bet on that because, well, 
Purdue wound up losing to the Peacocks of St. Peter's. These are odds that we wound up having prior to the games that wound up wrapping up on Friday. From there, Paolo Banquero, 9-1. Kong Gillespie and Kyler Edwards, they're going to be doing battle there at 12-1. J.D. Note at 18-1, I think is actually very intriguing. Johnny Juzang, Jamal Shedd, they're both at 20-1. And then you got Justin Moore and Mark Williams at 22-1. I really do not encourage you to fire in on Johnny Juzang either. If you're taking a look at that, well, I think that you're relatively drawing dead with regards to that one. But you take a look at it. I want to see if they've got a number on Remy Martin because I do think that the impact that he's having on Kansas is second to none. And I think that when it comes to most outstanding player, you got to be taking a look at a team that you think at minimum is going to get to the final four, if not the national title game and win it. Because if you wind up having a team bow out early, that's going to make it very tough. Like Jane and Ivy can't win this award anymore because the Peacocks wind up taking out Purdue. If you wind up giving the award to Jaden Ivey, I really don't know what to tell you. So, I mean, that's just goes without saying in this circumstance. But I do think that it's really fascinating to see what you're going to be able to get out of these teams because you want to be taking a look at Rhodes and you sort of, if you're going to be betting upon most outstanding player awards, this could honestly be a way to be able to get a better price on futures because like right now, Kansas, for instance, you're fighting them with regards to odds be able to win the NCAA tournament in a lot of places in the pocket of about plus 275. That's what you're fighting at DraftKings right now. Houston, you're fighting them at plus 350. If you're able to identify a guy that's just putting the team on his back, instead of maybe riding that plus 350 with Houston, for instance, maybe you do take a shot here on Kyler Edwards because if you just roll over your money on the money line, in a lot of these cases, you're going to be able to find better value unless if you have St. Peter's wind up going to the national title game. So I think that that might actually be honestly a relatively solid look. I think that after what we wound up seeing on Friday as well, Caleb Love needs to be in this conversation as well because I do think that North Carolina is going to be able to get to the final four. If you wind up having North Carolina being able to get to the final four and they wind up making the national title game, all of a sudden, Caleb Love, boom, you've got a bunch of value because... What you always want to be looking for with regards to these awards, guys that wind up having standout performances and signature moments. Can you think of one much better than what we wind up seeing with Caleb Love? Now with St. Peter's, you really don't have one guy that's really stood out. The one guy is Doug Eater because he's got a mustache. And I mean, I absolutely love the mustache. You can't give a guy most outstanding player because he's got a mustache. Although if, if someone were to do so, I would honestly be able to get behind that a little bit more than being like, oh, you wind up having like five rebounds or something like that. It's like, you know what? Give it to the guy with the mustache. I mean, it wound up firing up the folks. I'm always all for that. That said, it's not going to happen. So that's unfortunate. And I mean, hey, if St. Peter does wind up winning the NCAA tournament itself, it would be just so hilarious to see who they would wind up giving most outstanding player to. Because, I mean, you could just go any one of, like, 15 different ways with regards to that. So, that would be very intriguing. But I do think that you do have some relatively solid value when it comes to trying to take a look at who you'd have as your title winner in comparison to these odds. Because, like, for instance, Villanova, right now at DraftKings, 6-1 to be able to win the NCAA tournament. Colin Gillespie is a guy that you could really see be able to pop off if Villanova winds up being able to get the job done against Houston. And... I do think that they are going to be able to do so. You've got to think that Colin Gillespie is going to be playing a big hand in that. He has been, in my opinion, the best player thus far for Villanova here in the NCAA tournament. He's a fifth-year senior. He's a guy with the ball in his hands all the time as a point guard. 
that's worth a relatively solid look as well. So I do think that when it comes to the futures market in terms of odds to be able to be the most outstanding player, you're able to sort of do that and be able to give yourself a little bit more value rather than firing in on a normal future for odds to be able to win the NCAA tournament because I just don't think you're going to find any player that winds up not making the final four be even in the conversation for this award. I see why books wound up setting Jaden Ivey so low, but I mean, now it's just a moot point. So I do think that you want to be just taking a look at who you have as your title winner, try to identify the best player on that team or the guy that you think is going to pop off and have a big performance perhaps in that title game, in a final four game. And that's the way that you wind up going about that. And then when it comes to a little bit off the beaten path, how about if we wind up going with a college basketball game that is actually going to be the first one of the day technically. And well, it's not getting a lot of attention because we sort of have elite eight games that are going to be going now. I'm talking about 883, 884 on the betting board. The pilots of Portland fly into Southern Utah to take on the Thunderbirds. The Thunderbirds of Southern Utah are a four-point favorite in your total. Saying we're team 154.5 and 155.5. And I actually do think that this is going to be a relatively intriguing game. And I did wind up setting my total a little bit lower in this game. I did wind up setting it at a 147. Both of these teams are relatively fast. Both of these teams are in the top 80 with regards to possessions per game. But you do take a look at the Southern Utah team, and they do a very solid job on defense. They're in the top 75 with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. Portland is more around 200. Now, with Portland, what is going to be able to keep them live in this game? They're actually a tremendous free-throw shooting team. As a matter of fact, they're sixth in all of college basketball in terms of free-throw shooting percentage. Shooting is a collective 79.6%. That is really impressive. Now, they find a little bit of a fall-off on the road. They shoot more around 78.9%. That's more in the top 15 in a road and neutral court environment, but still relatively solid. But with Southern Utah, even though you've been without Tavion Jones, he has been out for the entirety of this college basketball classic. You've been able to have other guys be able to step up for the team, and I think that Todd Simon is a really good coach. Then you take a look at Shante Leggins on the other side. He wound up inheriting this program from Eastern Washington, and this should tell you how good of a job that he's been able to do. You remember the name Terry Porter. He was a legend with regards to Portland Trailblazers. He wound up having the job before him. In the tenure of Terry Porter, he wound up taking over the job prior to the 2016-17 season, so five full seasons. He went 7-70. and 70 in conference for the Portland Pilots. You know what they wound up going this year in conference? Seven and seven. So Shante Leggins could lose his next 63 conference games and his record would equal that of Terry Porter. I think that speaks to, for one, just how big of a calamity Terry Porter was because he literally brought in both of his sons to play at Portland and both of them transferred out of the program. When you can't keep your sons within the program, I mean, that tells you the state of your program right there. But Chante Leggins can flat out coach, but you also do take a look at Southern Utah and the team is going to be able to do a good job on the glass. You do have yourself a bunch in Portland that they're outside the top 200 with regards to rebound rate. So that is going to be hurting the team a little bit. Southern Utah, they're more around 75th. And Mason Fawcett is who you want to be taking note of with regards to this. 12 points, eight rebounds per game. And Southern Utah has been able to unearth a recent gem for this team as well. He wound up really popping off in the team's last performance in that you've been able to get Nick Fleming of all guys to be able to burst out. A guy that was a very underutilized senior, I think is the best way of being a put it. He wound up beginning his career at community college prior to the game that they wound up having a couple days ago. He was averaging 2.2 points per contest. It was a road win in which they won as a money line underdog against UTEP. He wound up coming in in that game, having scored 
single digits in every single game this year. He had 15 points in the first half, finished up with 18. He wound up going four of seven from three-point range. You've also got Aiden Moody, who's able to do a solid job of being able to shoot from three-point range. Jason Spurgeon is able to give you eight and a half points, five rebounds per game. He's a solid three-point shooter. Now, Moses Wood on the flip side for Portland is able to do a relatively solid job. 12 and a half points, six rebounds, comes in from UNLV, shoots 40% from three-point range. So I do like what he's able to bring to the table for this team, but Mike Meadows is going to be out of the fold, a guy that's able to give you 10 points, three assists, really gives this offense some more flow. So a Portland team that they've been able to rely upon, a lot of good guard play to be able to move the ball and haven't necessarily had a lot of rebounding. They're going to be a little bit down with that aspect as well. So I do think that it's going to be a little bit difficult and just... Getting to Southern Utah in general, it is a little bit of a trek of a flight. So I did wind up saying Southern Utah is a five-point favorite. I think that the home court advantage really going to mean something here. I'm going to lay it because this is actually a true home game for them. And I did wind up saying my total at a 147 as well. So we're going to be taking a look at the under in the final segment. Going to give you guys a little bit of a look at both of these Elite Eight games. My side in total for both of them. That's in the final segment right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Game on. It's time for the Yingling Pick'em Challenge. Bring the goods during the college basketball tournament and you're going to be able to play for free in eight pools to make winning picks for your share of $40,000 in cash prizes. Head over to DraftKings.com slash Yingling to join in on the action. Yingling, log her up and bring the goods. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. As it is a great Peterson experience right here on Beast and the Sports Bank Network. And we've got you covered all day long with regards to everything that you need to be able to bet on everything with regards to college basketball. I just mentioned a game as a little bit off the beaten path in the last segment as well. So it's not just the NCAA tournament. We've got you on the NIT. We've got you on the Basketball Classic as well. And we got you covered just with wall-to-wall -wall coverage. I'll actually be on here tomorrow from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific time, which actually is technically today. So I'm going to be moved up a little bit more. You're going to be able to catch me on Point Spread Saturday as well. Mark Zeno does a great job with that show. I'll be joining him at 5.30 a.m. Pacific, 8.30 a.m. Eastern time because I am a man that does not sleep. And I'll be joining him, breaking down these games with him as well. So we've got you covered all throughout. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Always got you covered with regards to a write-up every day with regards to DK Nation. And we've hit five in a row. It's been one of the most up-and-down turbulent rides ever. But we're right now still above 500. We're still in the green, hitting north of 52.38% that you need to break even with these. So here we go. We are going to be going Arkansas versus Duke to try to make it a good old six-pack. As right now, you're going with Arkansas, a 4-point underdog. Total on this game, you're finding it at 147.5, and I like Arkansas to be able to win this game outright. For DK Nation, they always encourage spread picks up. I'm going to be just taking Arkansas plus four. I personally am going to be taking a look at the money line right now with Arkansas. Find them in a lot of places north of plus 150. DraftKings says plus 155. Seeing a couple north of plus 160 as well. We're going to be going with that. You take a look at Duke, and they've been able to get a lot more out of Jeremy Roach. And you got to give him a lot of credit. Double figures in every one of the NCAA tournament games that this Duke team has, has played in. But... Also, Trevor Keels has fallen off the map for this team as well, and I feel like they're going to need to go to him at some point in this game for them to be able to get the job done. And I just take a look at it. The last five games, he's literally shooting 7.1% from three-point range with five and a half points, 1.8 assists, and 1.8 turnovers per game. This guy has just been nowhere to be found for this team. Now, the good news is they're going to have the best shot blocker in this game. That'd be Mark Williams, the guy that's able to give you three blocks. Does a solid job down low. He and Paulo Boncaro have been able to combine to be able to give you 15 rebounds per game. And Boncaro has been able to show off his versatility all season long. A guy that is able to pop threes. But sometimes you just feel like he settles too much for jumpers rather than attack the paint. He winds up settling for a bad three-point shot and. I think that that could wind up really hurting them in this spot as well with this Arkansas team. They also do a great job of being able to hit their free throws in a road and neutral court environment as well. Arkansas for the year is a team that they've been one of your more trustworthy teams at the line. Overall, shooting 75.7% at the free throw line in a road and neutral court environment. They shoot 77.2%. Duke certainly not slouches either. They shoot more around though, 71.1% at the free throw line in a road and neutral court environment. So, that is a little bit of an edge for Arkansas. I don't think it's anything too big, but you do want to be noting that in this game because you do have an Arkansas team that I feel like is very versatile. I think that Jalen Williams really is going to be the X factor in this game. Six foot 10, 240 pounds, shoots right around 33% from three away from home. He's able to give you nine and a half rebounds, 10 and a half points, two and a half assists, a little bit over a block, a little bit over a steal per game. He does it all. J.D. Note. Did wind up taking 29 shots in that game against Gonzaga. He's certainly going to need to button up a little bit more. He can't take 29 shots like he wound up doing in that game. I don't think he's going to. And he's been really a constant for this team. He's had double figures in all but one of the team's games thus far this season. He's been able to generate a little bit over two seals per game. Odie Sony does a good job of being able to generate turnovers as well. And I think that that's going to be a little bit of an undoing for Duke. Duke is a team that 
they just do not wind up generating any turnovers whatsoever in a road and <clears throat> excuse me in a road and neutral court environment 335th in all of college basketball that regarding just take a look at the recent form of duke on defense it's just not there and when it comes to ncaa tournament winners in the last 10 years all of them have ranked in the top 30 with regards to defensive efficiency, merely the amount of points that you allow on a per possession basis. Duke, in their last seven games, they have allowed at least 73 points in six of them. In that time span, opponents have shot 40.5% from three, and they have generated only 7.9 turnovers per game. That is a little bit of an issue. They're going up against an Arkansas team that they really hang their head on going to the free throw line now. We've heard a lot of people saying, oh, the refs are going to be in the pocket of Coach K and everything like that. And when it comes to Duke, we haven't necessarily seen that here in the tournament. I mean, the officiating just in general has been bad. There's no debating that. But it's not been a case in which Duke has gotten the deficit or the benefit of the whistle, in my opinion. These games are being called fairly. They're being called terribly, but they're being called fairly. And with Duke, this is a team that... They do a solid job of not fouling, but Arkansas, they just always find a way to be able to get to the charity stripe. 25 plus free throw attempts in six out of their last eight games. Now, I don't think that they're going to be able to get 25 free throw attempts in this game, but I still think that they're going to do a solid job of be able to get to the line. And as I mentioned, they shoot over 77% at the charity stripe in a road and neutral court environment. And then on top of that, when it comes to Duke, this is a team that they've been able to get a little bit more recently out of Wendell Moore, but after he looked like he might be an All-American candidate towards the beginning part of the season, he wound up having a little bit of a drop-off as well. This is an Arkansas team that they've just played tenaciously on defense. You take a look at what they were able to do against Gonzaga. It was nothing short of impressive. I mean, you can poo-poo Gonzaga all that you want, but that was a tremendous offensive effort from an Arkansas team that now ranks 22nd in the country with regards points allowed on a per-possession basis. It's a Duke team that at the beginning of the season, they were doing a solid job. They have just seen a massive drop-off ever since then. Duke is a team that they shoot relatively solidly from three-point range, but they're a team that they can really be a little bit touch-and-go in their games as well. And you wound up seeing it with Duke in their last contest against Texas Tech. They had to go on a burner run at the end of the game to be able to get it done. In the last eight minutes, they did not wind up missing a single field goal attempt. They wound up having to close out in a big way against Michigan State as well. In that Michigan State game, they were actually down by two. They wound up actually being the only team of north of five points to be able to cover a game since the final day of the round of 32. So I actually find that to be very intriguing how underdogs have been doing here in the NCAA tournament. But with Arkansas, this is a team that they're very good in the interior. They're in the top 50 with regards to opponents' two-point shooting percentage. So they're able to hold up there a little bit better than Duke. Both of these teams are relatively comparable with that regard. But I do think that Jalen Williams is going to be a tough matchup in this game. And Eric Musselman just does a great job of knowing the button surprise. I just take a look at the way that he wanted playing that game against Gonzaga. Trey Wade was a guy that had a combined two points in the previous three contests. He puts them in the starting lineup. He winds up going off for 15 and seven. Eric Musselman is one of the best coaches in all of college basketball. Preaches being able to hit the glass. And Duke, right around 190th in the country with regards to defensive rebound rate. They allow opponents in a road and neutral court environment to grab over 28% of their misses. Arkansas is a team that is relatively trustworthy on glass or more in the top 75 with that aspect. I said Arkansas is a favorite. I'm going to be taking them on the money line. In DK Nation, you're going to notice that I'm going to be taking the spread in that one. Also set my total at 144.5 with the way that Arkansas is able to play. Defense wins championships in the NCAA tournament. Arkansas's defense going to win this game for them. I like the under and I like Arkansas. 
And then in the other game that we're going to be seeing on Saturday, that would be this Villanova versus Houston game, which is going to be the early one, 639, 640 on the betting board. Villanova's currently finding themselves as a two and a half point underdog. Your total is anywhere between 128 and 128 and a half. And though we wound up seeing it with regards to the Sweet 16, just one over and seven unders. I think we've went a little bit too low. And these are a pair of teams that have really been able to find themselves with regards to defense. Villanova has given up 66 points or fewer in each of their last six games. Houston is a team that with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. They're number three in all of college basketball. But with Villanova, you've got a team that they just do such a good job of being able to not beat themselves. And by that, I mean they turn the ball over right around 9.9 times for contests. That's in the top 20 in all of college basketball. And then they hit their free throws. Every single player in the rotation for Villanova shooting at least 74% at the free throw line. Houston, meanwhile, they shoot 66.9% at the free throw line. Villanova, number one in the country in free throw shooting. Houston, bottom 50 in terms of free throw shooting. I think that that's going to be important. Villanova is going to have a little bit of a disadvantage on the glass, but you still have a pair of guys, Jermaine Samuels, Eric Dixon. They combine to be able to give you 12 and a half rebounds. Dixon shoots over 50% from three-point range. You're going to be having a little bit of a tough time against Josh Carlton, who has been able to do a solid job along Fabian White. White is able to shoot right around 39% from three-point range. You combine to be able to give you 25 points, 12 rebounds per game. But Colin Gillespie, the fifth-year senior who had each of the last two NCAA tournaments taken from him, he's going to be able to do a good job of being able to take care of the ball against a Houston team that they do a good job of being able to protect it as well. Villanova, a team that we've seen them go up against tough defenses time and time again that like to swipe the ball away. They've been able to protect it every single time. I think the Colin Gillespie is going to be able to do so in this spot as well. And I like Villanova on the money line. Set my total at a 130. So we're going to be going over as well. And something that you always want to take the over on. Great takes that are going to be given on VEASAN. We've got you covered all throughout the day. Going to be a rambunctious day of college basketball with the Elite Eight. It's all going to be starting off with Point Spread Saturday, and that is right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Toby. Hey, Toby. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.